0: That was my first big Passover in my life, looking back. I felt like I left Egypt, that is the Catholic Church, and I became more unleavened, understanding his true, accurate understanding of a free gift of salvation, and it's not because I was good at confessing all my sins and all that. And so, uh, with that, I truly became more awakened and alive, and I had this passion. I don't know if anybody here, when they first understood the gospel, they, they felt very excited and alive and um, it just, my wife uses the example of, it was like that that honeymoon phase, I guess you want to say, when you first start to understand that Yahweh loves you. And it might seem a little too oversimplified, but to truly think that the eternal one loves you and wants to know you and gives you his truth about the fact that he's sent his son to die for you, it's it revives you and it turned me at that time into what they call a Jesus freak. <laughs> so anyways, I want to move on to the next uh, part of my life, but before that, I want to ask a question: um, Have you truly felt crucified with Messiah? Because I know that there are different stages in life here. You know, there's people here, and they're they're just 14 to 10 to 14 years old, or maybe there's people here that are just got married or whatever. We got all these different stages, so I do have to ask the question: If um, you've truly felt like you've had that moment in your life, if you had that first little Passover in your life. And if not, it's good news because maybe this is a moment where he's calling you. Maybe that's why you're here. I I like the verse that really was like the theme of my uh, first little Passover, which is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Messiah. It is no longer I who live, but Messiah who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of Elohim who loved me and gave himself for me. And obviously that's tied to Passover and I truly felt like I was giving him my first fruits again. I was giving him my whole life. And it wasn't just Sunday going to church and doing, you know, uh, confessions of, of my sins once in a while, but it was a 24-7 real relationship. And if you don't feel like you've ever encountered that moment where you feel like you've truly died to self and lived for Messiah and crucified with Messiah, then you want to come to me or anyone you trust and, and share that. I'll be more than willing to pray with you and and see if you want to break through to that next stage. The second breakthrough is when I was shown the Torah. I always catch uh, catch myself saying, when I found Torah, I didn't find anything. I was was blind, (laughs) you know, and the Father guided me. So I always correct myself when the Father showed me Torah. Even in Christianity, even when I understood the gospel finally, that Yeshua died for my sins and that we should give our whole life to him, I did hit a plateau. And I felt like there was a time that I needed to grow. I started asking questions and seeking for answers. And, well, long story short, I kind of got kicked out of my church. And um, I was a Christian that didn't go to church. So I don't know if those are very uh, people that... Christians don't really like those kind of people, you know. But I was sincerely wanting to be a follower of Yeshua. I just didn't understand what I was missing. And I knew that... I couldn't find it in the Sunday Christian Church, so I was still going to the streets at night to share the gospel with people. I had a passion for evangelism, and I don't know if you guys ever heard of gospel tracks. They're like these little cards that have the gospel written on it. So I'm going, giving them out to everybody. And I don't know if it's the dad, my dad, part of my dad and me, but I used to try to find the biggest, most intimidating guy and give him a gospel track. So. so, I found a guy who's six foot five, dressed like a leprechaun, dancing around. I said, I'm going to give him a gospel try. Let's see what happens. Man, I'm telling you, he went from dancing to having two dead eyes. And he said to me, because um, I tried to tell him, you know, Jesus died for your sins, all that stuff. And He looked at me and says, you know, you Christians are always trying to convert me. Why don't you finish converting to my religion? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, uh, you Christians, you know, you keep Christmas. That's my holiday. Keep Easter. That's my holiday. Halloween, that's our biggest day of the year. I'm a Wiccan. It's a male witch, and you Christians are halfway there to becoming, uh, you're, you're keeping my biggest holiday, so why are you always com- asking me to convert to you when you have already sort of halfway there with, with my holidays? And I thought, well, that can't be true. So I went home, I Googled, and I thought, I'll, I'll prove him wrong next time I run into a Wiccan. And what do you know? I couldn't find Christmas in the Bible, or Easter, or December 25th, or, or you know, obviously Halloween, and so not only that, but the rabbit hole continued to go down and deeper and deeper. Um, I started to see that um, a lot of the mega televangelists on television were not preaching the whole gospel. A lot of the doctrines from the charismatic movement were not scripturally sound. There's gospels out there, no, uh, false gospels known as name and it, acclaim it, prosperity gospels, hyper grace, mega churches, and so much more. So I was beaten to a pulp. Not only did I stop going to church, but now I'm having this identity crisis. I didn't know who I was. And here I thought I was getting my butt kicked, but really the Father's saying, I'm, I'm pushing you deeper into my truth. So I finally prayed and that's another lesson I want to show everyone here is um, if you feel like you hit a wall, you hit a plateau, pray. And truly pray like, with your heart. Because I think the Father's trying to show us something when those seasons happen. So I prayed, and I said, I know now what's not true for the past two to three days, I think it was, of just non-stop YouTubing of exposing Easter. I said, okay, I know what's not true, but what is truth? And it was like the floodgates opened. Psalm one nineteen, one forty two, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. I never heard that in Christianity. And in 1 John 3, 4, sin is transgression of the law. Again, I, that's New Testament, yet I never heard a pastor tell me that. And I was hungry, I was starving, it was suddenly the, I was drinking milk in Christianity, and here's the meat and potatoes, and I'm, and I'm hungry. And I broke through, and had my second Passover, my second Exodus, I was coming out of Sunday Christianity, as you would call it, and um, has a lot of roots in Catholicism, and Greek mythology, and I was coming out of that, and he's saying, come out for my people, and I left Egypt a little more, became a little more unleavened, and became... More like a first fruits offering, giving more of my time to him, like keeping the Sabbath, and give, getting rid of uh, my uh, Ron Swanson breakfast habit of bacon and eggs, and and I just became more set apart. And uh, to us, that might be like a yawn, like okay, you found Torah, you know, join the party. But again, I don't know if you got anybody here remembers. Uh, there's some people here, second, third generation Torah keepers, but for those who are not. When you first found Torah, man, it was intense. I don't know if anybody can relate, but that realization that we're supposed to be keeping the Sabbath and just so much more, it it just gave me that revitalized feeling. So again, I plateaued, I hit that wall, and the Father said, dig deep, dig deep, and pray. The Father showed me the Torah. I think of a verse like Leviticus 1145 when it came to that season in my life. For I am Yahweh, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, so that I would would be your Elohim. Therefore, be holy, because I am holy. So, him calling to be holy, us to be holy, is another way of sanctification. Leviticus 20, verse 7, has the word sanctify in it. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be holy. For I am Yahweh, your Elohim. And I did really, truly feel like I was starting to really practice my Hebrew faith. I was no longer... Uh, a Greek-minded believer, but I was following a Jewish Messiah, and I'm following this Jewish faith, and I'm starting to really feel like I'm alive. But surprisingly, um, even in the Torah movement, and this is my third part that I wanted to share with you guys, I did feel like I plateaued once again. Um, I, Even though I was keeping Torah for about, three four years I I felt like I hit another plateau and I think this is the key to the message I want to share today because the majority of people here are Torah observant and they understand the gospel but I think that a lot of people here can actually relate that even if you're in the Torah movement and you know who Yeshua is you can still feel like you're far from the father and you sort of hit a plateau or hit a wall And so again I was saying this time I was like there's something missing There's got to be a deeper meaning to the Torah than just going on Facebook, telling Christians that Santa's pagan and, you know, doing away with bacon. I said, there's got to be something more to this. That was great for a season, but the father's saying, dig deeper. And so I started to pray. Again, I, I want that to be another key part of this message is I think we should really find quiet place and quiet time even if it's sitting in your car or anything and to truly cry out to the father if you feel like you're asleep spiritually asleep you feel like you've been just running through the motions ask the father what is my next challenge what is the deeper meaning the to torah what is the deeper meaning to the scriptures and just show me your face father and i think of second chronicles 7:14 when it came to that if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And also, I, I think that healing the land could also be applied to our hearts. If we feel far from the Father or we feel like we're not really truly following Him in a lot of ways, we became lukewarm, that He can heal that land and revive it, bring it back to its enriched meaning. And so the things that he was telling me when I was already a Torah observer was the theme was, uh, "Do not forsake the assembly." Was a theme that popped up. At that time, I was Torah observant, but I had a lot of scars from coming out of Christianity and uh, an abusive church before that and stuff. So, I didn't just didn't want to be around people. Me and Shrek had a lot in common. So I just thought, you know, I'll just be myself. I'll study Torah and mind my own business and the only fellowship I need is online fellowship but the father said don't forsake the assembly and so I started to go out of my comfort zone go into the fellowships uh, even if they're 45 an hour away to sit down and break bread and get to know people and while doing that I noticed that the father was saying uh, there is a lot that we have to fix Um, although I've shown you you know obviously Yeshua and I've showed you Torah now we're going to get into like the nitty-gritty like heart surgery of Torah. You know, like when you get upset when someone tells you you're wrong, um, perhaps that's a knee-jerk reaction, but we got to we gotta get that fixed. Because if you're going to be a, an ambassador, a representative of my kingdom, you can't act like that. And I was like, I don't know why I get so mad. <laughs> he says, well, the main thing is fear. You're afraid. And I've commanded all my children to not fear. And you've literally live, eat, and drink fear half, half the day, you're always full of anxiety, and we've had to get that fixed, too, so just by going to a fellowship, I had all this truth popped up in my head of, like, I didn't even realize that, because it's easy to stay home and just be on Facebook or YouTube, and none of those things get touched, you kind of just stay in your bubble, but when you actually go out into an assembly, and you meet other people, and maybe even butt heads or disagree on a topic, it's, like, suddenly that pressure brings things to the surface that the Father's like, let's fix that, let's, let's grow in this area. He also was calling me with the theme of it's not good for man to be alone, and I was alone at the time, and I says, okay, uh, a wife, okay, I can, I'm definitely not husband material yet. So he was also teaching me how to be a leader, a provider, and also to be gentle with a daughter of Yahweh, to be kind, slow to speak, and I think that's so important. And so now, I, you know, Yeshua died for my sins, keep on living my life. Now I'm seeing so many different facets of who Yeshua is. He was so kind and patient to the woman at the well. And I'm like, well, I need to be kind and patient when I you know, have a disagreement with my wife or, or whoever. And, and so much more like self-control, time management. I had a problem of having a spirit of laziness, uh, apathy, a very apathetic. And the father was just showing me a deeper meaning of to the Torah. And I felt like that could be applied to everybody's life here. And uh, I'm afraid if somebody here has been keeping Torah for years or maybe like I've met some people here like I'm a third generation Torah observer at that sometimes third or fourth, whatever, I'm not trying to nitpick it y- just a third is the problem. There. But anyone, but that it can sometimes bring you to a bit of a lukewarm plateau because you think, okay, we got Shabbat, we got the feasts, and if I just make my appearance on the Sabbath, you know, that's all I need to do. The Father is saying we got to dig deeper and have that personal relationship with Yahweh. And so I've been a lot more in tune with myself now where I've been more aware of my surroundings. Uh, You know, I have a problem when I I drive and I get mad because I don't know, you guys are fast going up that road on the way to Cisco, 115, and, you know, I'm, I just want to stick to 65, so <laughs> <laughs> these giant Texas trucks, I'm like, ah, oh, a little Honda, I can barely handle it, and so I just think, like, uh, you know, I get a little worked up, and I just think, what's the hurry? We're going to end up at the same red light in about a half hour, <laughs> but then I stop, and I say, okay, you know what? I need to reflect. If 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 I can't keep my cool over a simple drive home, then when things really get heated, say I start having kids and the kids are just acting wild, I can't lash out on them like my dad used to lash out at me. My father used to yell, you know, veins in the throat kind of yelling. And That took a toll on me as a kid and messed me up. I had uh, self-esteem issues. And so I, I thought, okay, the father is now cutting off a lot of generational curses. He's saying, I want you to change and grow deeper in Torah, and uh, I use the driving as an example just because I- if you're very aware and just in tune with the with the spirit, you're always wanting to be sanctified, you're always wanting to perfect the game to get better at what you do, um, then even getting mad driving home will bother you because you're like, I could get better at that, I can get better at that, and being grumpy in the morning. I mean, the thing that bothers me the most now, my leaven that I'm removing this week, is I don't like getting up early in the morning and praying. I don't, I'm, when I wake up, I just want to be left alone. I grab my phone, I look at whatever's on Facebook, and then I go and get coffee. I, you couldn't get more in the flesh if you tried. <laughs> and the Father's recently been telling me, um, the theme of first fruits is that you give me the first of everything, the first of crops, Obviously, the firstborn of the family, and also the time. What's your firstborn? What's the first fruits of your time? When you first wake up, that first hour should be given to me. I felt like that's what the Father was telling me. Well, I at the same time was having another issue with prayer. Uh, I've had my family. Uh, my my father passed away about six years ago, and I prayed every day that he would heal from cancer, and he passed away. I didn't want to pray after that because I thought, well, I prayed for him to get healed, and he died. So I don't really feel very good when I pray. I don't really know if he's listening. And so I had to repent, renew, and have a metanoia in Greek of that mind being sanctified, understanding what true prayer means. It's not a wish list. You know, He's not a genie. You Don't know, just tell him what you want and ask for it and see if it happens. But instead, you're praying to seek his face, to see his will, not my will, but your will be done is what Yeshua said. And so I had to renew my mind in prayer. And my prayer life has been getting a lot better. I've actually been able to pray for more than five minutes. I pray for 20 30 minutes. I mean I only want to do an hour and I've been seeing a revival in my life, and that plateau, even in Torah, I feel like is now rejuvenated and revived, and I'm feeling like I'm having a deeper meaning of Torah. I have a vision for this assembly and I don't know if anybody else has the same one, but I really want this assembly to be a beacon of light uh, for the entire county of Eastland, for the state of Texas and for people across the nation. I want them to come and know this place as a place that's um, filled with prayer warriors, Torah observers, people that really, really, really seek the truth and that we cannot stand being lukewarm and we're constantly trying to better ourselves. Um, when I go and play basketball with the guys, I, I see that passion and that drive to want to win and to want to get better and to want to push themselves and push others. And I think let's take that and bring it into the sanctuary, <laughs> you know, where you say, Hey, you know, uh, let's, let's, let's all men, let's pray with all our hearts. Let's, let's worship with all our hearts. Let's push it. Let's, let's ask ourselves, what can I get better at? Let's have accountability partners. Let's have m- morning prayer time together. I just, I just want us to be that beacon of light so that when people walk in for the first time, they're like, yep, this place is different. And that the Father will be pleased with that for sure. I see this walk kind of like um, the chess analogy I was using. You started off in 600. You hope to one day get to 1,000. If you don't, don't hurt yourself. Don't get mad at yourself. Just enjoy the journey and see where you're at now and see where you can take the next step. My next step is to get to 1,400, obviously. So Paul used the analogy of running a race and boxing. First Corinthians 9, verse 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. It's like those little Greek crowns made out of leaves. But we, and imperishable, we as children of Elohim are trying to get that imperishable inheritance. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So he's pretty much saying, Keep yourself in check. Constantly check yourself and sanctify yourself unless you end up preaching to others a message that you find out is more applicable to your to yourself and you disqualify yourself. I see the Torah and the commandments and the scriptures kind of like a sword, a giant medieval sword. And the Father's blessed us with it. But you ever noticed if you give a kid a big old sword, he tries to pick it up and it's too heavy and He tries to wield it, he he, he might hurt himself and others. I I don't want us to be that way. I think that we've been given a sword, a very powerful tool, and the Christians and the the Muslims and so many more can really, really benefit from it if we become good stewards of it. But if we learn how to to hold the sword, strengthen ourselves every year to get better and better at holding the sword and and the shield and being able to defend and protect, sound doctrine... I think that we can definitely be that pillar of light I was talking about. So, uh, we've heard this verse a lot of times, but I thought I'd go ahead and revisit it. That throughout this whole week, I hope that we've been meditating, praying, and thinking about the theme of unleavened bread. 1 Corinthians 5.8, let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven. To me, that would be like last year or the year before that. We should be growing the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so I just wanted to conclude, wrap the message up, with an encouragement or call to action. If you're a new believer, or if you've perhaps actually never given your life to Yeshua, and here you are now hearing this message, maybe that's a sign that the Father's saying it's time to come out of Egypt. It's time to give your life to Yeshua. It's time to cross over and Receive the covenant as a child of of Yah. If you're, say, a second, third, fourth, fifth generation Torah observer, I just want to give an encouragement that I want to co-labor with you, and I want us to become um, my brother's keeper, and I want to really continue to grow with one another and to really become uh, a better representative of Torah and Yeshua, our Messiah. I know, like, for example, a week, uh, it was like a week ago, we were playing basketball, and the teams were completely uneven, in my opinion, and we got blown out. I think it was like 21 to 7. Man, I got so mad, and I started blaming everything but myself, and I was like, it's because of the rules we're using, and it's just these Texas basketball rules, or whatever I said, and <laughs> the whole gym got really quiet, and I realized, I was like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and so later on, I got convicted, and I said, you know, i got to have self-control, and uh, I can't get Im- be immature about uh, a simple game. And if I get uh, you know, immature about a game, I can only imagine when the real problem comes, when persecution comes of our people or, or something happens in our lives, it's a true challenge. And so the Father used that moment to, I think, rebuke me. And I went around apologizing to everyone, like, sorry, I got mad, sorry, I got mad, sorry, I got mad. But I think that it's a good example that... Um, you know, we, we need to be growing and getting more mature and pressing in, digging deeper. And we should never feel that plateau. We should never feel it. And if we do, it means the Father's saying, take the next step. Grow. See what you can get better at. Hebrews 12, 1 through 12 says, let us race the race with endurance. So every year we should have a deeper meaning of Torah and its truth and who his son is, Yeshua, in the theme of the feasts. And if the Father's calling you to come out of Egypt somehow, if you have a little bit of Egyptian in you, whatever that may be, um, just meditate and see what that could be. I want us to become better soldiers for Messiah. Because once we become true soldiers of Messiah, Matthew 9 comes to life. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to Yahweh of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So I'm looking forward to that place where we all can become hungry for righteousness, hungry for holiness, and get to the point where we can literally go out to Cisco and other towns and really be a representative of his truth. And um, if, if you've never heard the word sanctification or didn't hear much of it, I'd be glad to talk about it with you in private or dig deep into it, do a word study, have a Bible study, online call, whatever, because I think it's so important. And that, that one worship song really comes to life. Um, I forget the name of the singer, but the words are, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. You call me up, up upon the waters. I think we should constantly ask ourselves, where is the Father taking us? Romans thirteen eleven. besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. So uh, I always ask myself, have I been sleeping, and how should I pursue the Father to wake up? And this final verse here, Second Chronicles 7.14, I just wanted to finish with this verse again. And that we can maybe uh, tonight or whenever you have time to just meditate on this verse. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land, and you shall have that breakthrough and that awakening, and I hope to hear testimonies of of these things uh, as I shared with you today. Thank you.